This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay in Dunedin, and I'm joined by Scout Barbara Evans, who is in somewhere in Dunedin. I don't know what suburb you're in. Mornington. And Scout Barbara Evans in Mornington. Kira, welcome. Nice to see you, or speak to you. Thank you very much for joining me. How has your bubble gone? It's been all right. It's been evolving over the last um, couple of months or so. So we started out with a four-person bubble and then it turned into something like a 13-person bubble. And then we went, you know, once we got into level three and we were allowed to leave the house, we um, started going back to play centre and our bubble expanded exponentially. So... It's a bit bigger than we started. And how was the time of the the lockdown part? It had its challenges. Um, It was... I enjoyed being able to watch my daughter grow um, on, you know, that everyday kind of a level. And I enjoyed having a few extra nights without her as well. Did you get to get her out and exercise and go for Every walks? Every day. Yeah. yeah. Um, I worked out that I can walk to the beach from my house. Uh, I saw that the definition of local was roughly about a 10-minute drive from where you live. So that's about a 10-minute drive from my house. So I've done lots of walks down to the beaches. Um, something about the ocean really grounds me and settles me. So it's been fantastic to have that so close and so accessible and your daughter's too little to be going to 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 school so you haven't been trying to homeschool any more than usual no but she managed to learn about 30 new words over the course of lockdown oh wow and and somebody's built 103 now (laughs) wow (laughs) are they all the same Not really. There's lots of different words, lots of themes as well. So she's been really interested in, you know, vehicles and transport. So a lot of the new words at the moment that are cropping up are different kinds of vehicles. Um, The first vehicle name that she learned was helicopter. Oh, wow. The whole word? No, just copter. (laughs) When Phoebe was little... The um, she was fascinated by fire engines, mm-hmm. but she was so busy and so wriggly that she would never look when you were trying to point something out to her. So it was it, you pointed them out, and it was a there's a fire engine. Oh, never mind, it's gone now. Yeah. So fire engines we became. We got that with buses. 
fire engines became gone nows. <laughs> so you can talk to anybody in our family about a gone now and they know you're talking about a fire engine. That's brilliant. Let's go straight to the first of your music selections, Good Shirts, Fiji Baby. Why did you choose this one? I listened to this one a lot during um, during Level 4 especially. It was quite wistful and quite, you know, it talks about the places that you wish that you were and instead of going to Fiji you kind of just have to go to Hamilton and that's really how we're living right now you know we can't really leave the country unless we are citizens of somewhere else so um, you know our holidays are going to be in Hamilton or Hamner Springs or somewhere local. And just pretending it's a holiday. Absolutely. When we went to Hamilton I said just pretend it's a holiday And you said, you, I'll just pretend it's Fiji, baby You drive me up the wall sometimes You say, it's better if we spend some time away in the middle of a smith, something break down. So come on now, it's not a race. We'll catch up when the end is near. Let's fall away and disappear again. You're the one I want to say. That I always want to stay with you When this world's about to win You pull me through So come on now, it's not a race We'll catch up when the end is near Let's fall away and disappear again So other than the 
the task of raising a little one. What have you been getting up to? I've been playing video games. Yeah. Um, there was a new expansion on one of the games that I really enjoy called Fallout 76, and it brought non-player characters into the game, which a lot of people had been complaining that there weren't any. So that was a whole lot of new, exciting gameplay. Um, watching lots of Netflix. I've been working my way through all of the episodes of The Simpsons on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> um, <laughs> Found yeah, any, you found of, any gems on Netflix? Oh, um, I've been really enjoying Working Mums. It's it's made in Canada, so it's about a bunch of mums in Canada, but it's quite funny and quite um, touches on some realistic topics. You're really active in a whole pile of communities, and you're. you're you're known for being involved and, and doing a lot of work all over the place. Has that work stopped, ground or halt, carrying on somehow? Yes, yeah, some of it. So I do, I predominantly at the moment do um, work as a youth worker. So that ground to a halt over the break. Um, we're just actually starting a youth group, Alphabet Soup, back up next week, this week. Um, on Wednesday the 27th, I believe. So that's going to be really exciting. We've had to completely change how we present the group. Um, I also have been doing disaster relief with the New Zealand Red Cross. And obviously we're the people who, you know, are expected to be out working in a state of emergency. But the state of emergency that we've just had has been one where we can't go out and do the things that we're used to doing. So... Um, you know, the work that we do in that space has been predominantly by phone or by video call. And that's been a big adjustment to make. You know, I'm used to being able to give someone a blanket and a cup of tea when I'm comforting them, <laughs> and I can't really do that anymore. So it's been an you interest can't really say on the phone, why don't you get a blanket and a cup of tea? <laughs> <laughs> it's been an interesting thing that's challenged quite a lot of our perceptions, this the nature of the emergency in which the thing that's yeah. being asked of us is to stay home. And not only that, but there's this expectation to stay home and do everything as normal. So, you know, continue schooling, continue working from home. And we do have to be realistic with ourselves that we're living through something that's traumatic and something that's a crisis and that's going to change up the way that we live. So part of, you know, getting through this is being able to be honest and say, this is actually going to be really hard or this might suck a little bit in some ways, but there are positive sides as well. And not only that, but, you know, it's, it's, gonna, it's going to have an end date. Why do you think that we accepted it quite so readily? I've been thinking about this a lot because... You know, New Zealanders have accepted this a lot more than people in other countries have. And I've been doing, I've been involved in a couple of regular Zoom meetings with people who are predominantly based in the United States who, um, are, you know, in some of the intersectional communities that I'm a part of. And when we've discussed this topic, what I keep coming back to is that as there is a growing understanding of te ao Māori and a growing understanding of tikanga Māori. 
people are starting to understand the concept of manakitanga. And that's not something that New Zealanders have been bad at historically in a lot of ways. You know, colonisation was a thing. But even then, New Zealanders have been a lot more open and accepting than other cultures. So when we were asked to be this team of 5 million and to to be a team to bubble up and keep each other safe and do this to keep our grandparents safe, that concept of manakitanga came into play and we were able to say, well, this is something that we're not doing just for the good of us. This is something that we're doing for the good of everybody. And we were a lot more accepting of that idea. That's my theory anyway. Yes, even though the threat, I suppose the threat was is significant on an individual basis, or if if not for ourselves individually, unless we are vulnerable in some way, because it's we're also, old or, or yeah. immunosuppressed or something. It's also a bit existential. This kind of a threat, and it goes back to what you were saying about how this is not the kind of emergency that we're used to. You know, when there's flooding. We can see that there's water. We can see that it might come into our house and it's a tangible sort of a threat to us and our livelihoods and our lives. But when it's something like a virus or a pandemic, we we can't see it on such a scale. And the way that we all, you know, grieved together as a country when we had the first deaths, that was, that was heart-wrenching but it really showed that we are coming together and it really showed that concept of manakitanga. You know, we were, as much as we could, we were sending our best wishes to the whānau of the deceased people and we really came together. I'm really impressed at the way that we came together digitally and over the phone and from within our own houses. Going to come back to to talk about that coming together digitally but first let's listen to Tahu Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie Kia ora koutou na mihi aroha nui, kia koutou koutou hau hope you're all having the best day in your beloved universes, beautiful superstars, exquisite triumphs of nature's art product of literally billions of years of evolution on this paradise planet unique perfect learning teaching breathing growing shining thank you for being born and being amazing very grateful to have this time with you so i thought that today we could celebrate a very exciting moment which of course is for all of us going to be experienced in a different place at a different time in a different way thanks to how incredibly diverse and miraculous we all are. But for me today, I was able to go back to one of my favourite places, the Bar Bay Studio. And this is a real place of transformation and inner power and just huge shifts for me on a personal level in my life. And to be able to go back there today was just absolutely incredible for me. And... For me, you know, the whole process of driving there, getting a park right outside, seeing all the familiar 
external and internal features of the building as I pulled up and the whole process of walking back up the stairs, putting my gum boots, my pink sparkly gum boots and my pink fluffy socks outside the door, seeing all the beautiful people that I know and love, including amazing Leslie there and amazing Leslie's sister and seeing the beauty of the space, the white walls, the mirrors, the bars, the golden light in the studio, all these familiar places that I have spent hours and hours really connecting in with myself and with that space to be able to go back was just really, really huge. And when my hands actually touched the bar, it was incredible for me. And so I hope that for all of you, you're having this real sense of homecoming to these special places for you and this real sense of belonging and when we have a special place where we really feel that sense of belonging that is outside of our home I think it is very very precious and obviously that that can come in so many different shapes and sizes for all of us and for me the sense of belonging is not only belonging to that space and that space being a place of real transformation for me physically and spiritually and psychologically and emotionally but also that sense of belonging to myself in that space and being able to really tune in to myself and go within in these amazing classes that we do at Barbase and reacquainting myself with that freedom of that oneness with my physical body which I think is a real precious sense of belonging that sometimes for some of us as we are alive is lost and it was for me in various ways so making that reconnection with myself has been really huge and of course, it's also that sense of belonging to a community. So Barbase is a really, really supportive community and we all encourage and connect with each other in different ways. And it's all different people of different ages from different backgrounds. It's really, really diverse. And yet we are able to find this space together in the studio and just have the best time. So I'm really grateful to connect again to that sense of belonging to that really special community. And I've just loved just being able to drive down the road and see all these people that I know who, of course, for a long time have been absent from my daily life and being able to actually see them and feel that sense of belonging on a wider scale to Aughty Porty Stuneden. It's a really, really beautiful feeling. And of course, on a larger scale, that sense of belonging to our beautiful Aotearoa New Zealand. We've all done so well supporting each other in this time. And of course, on an even bigger scale, our beautiful paradise planet that we're all helping each other to co-evolve and learn. And then, of course, on the really, really big picture, that sense of belonging that I hope we all have at all times, which is to that infinite web of life that we are a part of connected to all life throughout time and space all the way back every life that has ever been lived lives on through us 
And of course, we are paving the way and we are making this paradise ready for all the lives that are waiting to be born. And we stand always embraced by this web of life that constantly surrounds us, all the life that is living now that we are linked to. So, yeah, I hope for all of you this sense of belonging is returning and growing and giving beauty and strength to all of your moments. And I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You were talking about the communities coming together digitally. I think it's been really interesting how what this has done around the world is really had people focus on their community, even though the very nature of this beast is that the normal coming together as communities has been the thing we can't do. Yeah, I notice that culturally in Dunedin especially, we seem to always come together for events like vigils, um, you know, where we come together collectively to grieve and to mourn or to just show solidarity with each other. And that's something that I've loved coming back to Dunedin to be able to access that sense of community. But... You know, my teenage years were spent in Australia and most of my friends were still at home in New Zealand and I relied on digital communication to be able to maintain a community around myself, especially, you know, I'm transgender, I've got so many different intersectional aspects of who I am and what makes up Scout. So to access people who have those same life experiences as myself I've had to use digital avenues to communicate with people overseas so for me it almost felt like second nature and yet at the same time I've still been experiencing you know zoom burnout where you know I get about a third of the way through a call before I start getting tired and thinking I'd rather be doing something else are those communities let's call them vulnerable are they are they doing it tough yeah so um earlier before i was doing this interview i i was in a zoom call with about 10 other single queer single parents um from around the world and you know there was someone else in australia there was someone in denmark and there was a whole lot of people in the united states and about three of those people are based in New York City or in New Jersey. So they're in, you know, the two hardest hit states. And a lot of the people that I've been speaking to through these digital communities have had COVID already. So for me, the threat became a lot less existential once I started actually speaking to people overseas who have already been sick and are still sick. It doesn't sound like it's a thing that, that goes away easily either, is it? It's looking to be that a lot of people who have had COVID are developing some kind of a post-viral syndrome where their symptoms last for, you know, we don't know how long yet. But it's going to be really fascinating to watch the medical community as, you know, they're already interested in it and see what they discover through looking into this because post-viral illness isn't something that's new. I have a post-viral illness from having glandular fever and 
it's one of the sorts that doctors know next to nothing about. So I'm really excited that there's this potential for more research and more study into something that there was already a reasonably significant amount of our population experiencing, but now it's going to be happening on a grand scale in the countries that were really hardly hit. <laughs> Sorry. It's going to be happening on a grand scale in the countries that were really hard hit. When you're talking to those people overseas and in New York and, and so on, do they look at what we've done as some sort of paradise or an impossible, an impossible utopia that they could never achieve? How, what, how are they expressing it? There's a lot of people who are frustrated and they're taking their frustration out in ways that are kind of lashing out at us, you know, saying that the only reason that we've succeeded in this is that we're a sparsely populated island. Um, I think they're mixing us up with Australia, actually. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people as well who have expressed week after week that they're just so jealous of the way that we were able to band together and a lot of people expressing really big anxieties and really big worries about the impacts on themselves and the impacts on their children of, you know, they're talking about spending the rest of the year in lockdown and there have been talks about civil unrest and the risk of riots breaking out, which would not be very effective social distancing. And they're just worried. They're scared and they're worried. And I, I do wish that I could just scoop them all up and keep them safe. Liesel Mitchell is a downtown dweller, urban explorer and conversationalist observing city life in lockdown. Hi there everyone out there doing um, bubbles in bubble land or being bubbles, still being bubbles. I guess we are still being bubbles. Um, I'm, I'm still doing a, a kind of bubble life I guess. Uh, Liesel here obviously once again, hello. I do seem to struggle to introduce myself sometimes, don't I? But um, I'm guessing that most people who are following this uh, podcast also also know who I am um, as we get introduced. But it is always lovely to say hello. So hello, and um, I hope you are having a really good day. Uh, I I always hope people have a good day. Actually, I think you know we we don't have much control over many things. And one thing we can sort of, I guess, have control over or make some choices about is how we're going to interact with our environment, how we're going to approach, I guess, our day. And I think if you can think about your day in a positive way, then maybe, just maybe, your day will be a better day than, uh, than it might have otherwise been so bring a bit of positivity to the day and it's amazing how that re sort of what's the word not repercussionizes that's a new word isn't it <laughs> I was thinking how do I say that uh, kind of I guess impacts reinforces um, boomerangs back towards you something like that I'm just making up words now maybe boomerangs back I like that uh, you know what I'm trying to say. I hope you do, because I'm I'm not sure what I'm saying right now. 
No, I am talking positivity. I think it's a, it's like a charge. This is how I like to think about sort of positive action, positive thinking, is that um, if we're batteries, let's just say we're a battery, why not? We'll go with that image. Um, then you can charge negatively or positively. I guess you've got your positive or your negative charge. And I think when you encounter people that are a little bit negative that tends to charge you a little bit negatively too so it's almost like their charge transfers over to you you know if, if you go into a shop and you're talking to someone and they are a little bit grumpy or a bit short with you or you know a bit rude maybe to you it's funny how quickly that affects you and how you feel a bit grumpy or a bit you know a bit angry when you walk out of that shop and and maybe in that moment you want to pass that negative charge on to someone else as well because at some level I think when we feel yucky or negative we want to give it away and sometimes we even feel better when we know that we've given that negative charge to someone else uh, although that's sort of a, a strange kind of better feeling because at some level we don't feel that great when we know we've made other people feel miserable but just the same way I think with positive charge you encounter someone that's got a lot of positive energy a lot of a lot of sort of uh, optimism about them so they've got you know good good vibes going on it's amazing how that rubs off on you too so if you choose to use your positive or your negative charge <laughs> and if you choose a positive charge then it's amazing how that actually reinforces the charge, keeps charging, 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 um, and actually makes you feel so much better as you get that charge back from people. Um, I know I used to sort of set myself a little bit of a kind of task to try and smile at people that I didn't know and to see if I could make people smile. And it's actually really easy to make people smile because I think we're almost wired to respond to a smile with a smile if it's a genuine smile I think it's like we can't help ourselves when somebody genuinely smiles at you um, to not smile back you've got to almost like you've got to plan that out you've got to almost like commit to not smiling back so um, yeah it's quite a fun game to play and it becomes a good game because it's actually again passing on that positive charge to other people when you give them a bit of a smile and I think at the moment you know coming out of our lockdown levels back into a bit of social contact it's really nice to give people some smile charging because we're all um, reconnecting again and it's lovely to sort of feel like um, people have seen you notice you care and you can pass that on too. So I hope you have a really positive day. Try some positive charging and uh, we'll talk again soon. Take care. So as we've moved out into lockdown two, could you rush down to the shops and wave your arms around and have a bit of a, a person party? Not really. Um, no. I took it with caution, so we, I actually took my daughter in the pram for a walk down into town in one of the early days, and we went down the main street and nobody was social distancing, which was a bit of a worry. Um, we stopped at the pharmacy and then we got on a bus and we came home. Um, 
actually we stopped at the playground as well and we really enjoyed our first trip to the playground although she was a bit scared on the swing she hadn't been on one in a couple of months and so she couldn't quite remember what it was oh. like and it took about a minute for her to feel comfortable and then she was delighted and you know shouting swing swing yeah, and thinking why did you keep this from me pretty much so of all of the things the societal change level things that we've seen in the last couple of months what do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick i really hope that access to digital learning is going to stick um you know i've just completed an entire degree that i did over zoom as you know as one of the people who created that degree and that was brilliant in terms of accessibility on the days that I was too sick to get out of bed or um, that I you know, couldn't really leave the house very easily or that I was in another city even. So I've definitely benefited quite a lot from education becoming digital and it's something that education providers had been fighting back on for a very long time and then suddenly they could do it as soon as the majority needed it. So I hope that that lasts because that's going to make education accessible, you know, tertiary level education accessible for our disabled populations who might not be able to get into the building but would be able to log in online. But I think the difference that you experienced is that it wasn't lectures online. It wasn't, we weren't replacing 400 seat lecture theatres with a video of a lecture. Yeah. It was actually entirely about you um, and the, the, the relationships one-on-one uh, -on -one or one on very small group definitely I think there's a lot that other degrees could learn from um, you know I've just completed the Bachelor of Leadership for Change and I think that there's a lot that the staff at that degree could be teaching um, staff who teach in other degrees in terms of making education accessible for everyone and changing the model and changing the way that things have been done for hundreds of years into something that's going to work for the 21st century. Do you think that we're likely to get a, a change? Yeah. Are, are we seriously going to get the, the end of growth? Is it going to be a substantive change away from neoliberal or are we just thinking that those things might happen, but really we're just going to go back to the shops? I really want to say that, you know, I hope that all of this change will be really positive and will work, but we've already seen people are all back at the shops. <laughs> you know, we're already back in level two and the main street is so crowded that they're having to cut the speed limit right down so that people can safely walk on the road to maintain social distancing. Um, for a lot of households, it has, you know, the period of time that we've spent in lockdown has been really good for working out what is actually essential for their household and what they do need to be consuming. Um, and for a lot of people, they found it really hard and they've responded to how difficult that was with some therapy, which, you know, it, it's a bit of a vice sometimes and it does make you feel good getting stuff and we need to find other ways to make ourselves feel good. Let's put on 660's special. You're so special. That's a good 
motto for the day, isn't it? Yeah. Just like a rocket taking up You got me high, I'm flying in a dream Got me feeling like a one And after everything you've done Just let me take this little moment seen any good community initiatives where you've looked across at what people are doing and you thought that's good that's the thing that's they've got it right i enjoyed seeing the mutual aid groups pop up on facebook um you know spaces where people could express a need or that they could offer something that someone else might need and 
you know, make that available to a wider group of people. It was it was a really brilliant way to start fostering community in different ways to what we're used to. A lot of our digital communities in the last couple of years have been, you know, groups to post what the news is locally, <laughs> things like that. Um, but a group that's entirely focused on helping people is just fantastic. And I know that other groups locally that were focused on helping people, such as Food Help to Need and had to stop during Level 4 because it just wasn't safe to be sharing food around. So having this other space where people could start to do things differently and also safely was really beneficial. I wonder if they'll survive. Let's hope that those sorts of groups survive. It'd be nice if we could find a way of helping those groups to, to survive. Maybe they don't need help. Maybe they're doing good stuff so they will survive. Yeah, I mean, even our community new, community news groups online can be really great places to start to find community. The issue is when, you know, articles are posted and it's all about debate that it gets difficult to maintain that sense of community because marginalised people are more likely to start feeling unsafe in those spaces. Or anybody in some well, of those yeah. communities. Yeah. Have you, do you, would you, if you have a little indicator of, of positiveness, have you managed to, to stay on the positive side? I want to say yes, because this is like a positive geared radio show, but no, I really haven't. <laughs> However, I've done all of the right things to look after myself through that. You know, I've done a lot of work over the last couple of years to find some resilience within myself and to find some strength and find strategies and coping skills. And so... I've been able to employ nearly all of those and I've been able to ask for help over the period of level four. So I'm really impressed with myself for that, even though I wasn't able to keep myself in a positive mindset. Yeah, I'm not talking about a deluded happy. I suppose it is, uh, it's, it's about a, you know, structures in place to, to, to be able to, to come out the other side in a positive framework. And it sounds as though you've done that. I think I have. <laughs> I'm not quite confident yet, but I think I have. <laughs> You've got a cute little one running around the house and a big pile of Lego behind you, so that's a that's a good start. It is. Yeah, she's pretty cool. Um, yeah. It's quite amazing to start seeing the world through the lens of a toddler, no matter how much sand ends up in my bed every day. <laughs> Are you actually going down onto the beach? It's not just a, a look at the beach. No. So now that we're back to level three, we were able to start back at our play centre. So that's been a really fantastic place for us to be building community in, um, you know, a face-to-face -face context. And, yeah, my daughter decided to bring home an entire gumboot worth of sand, and I didn't realise that there was sand in the gumboot, and then she took it off in my bed. So... Yeah, vacuuming sand out of my bed was yesterday's fun activity. So I have some questions to end with. 
which I think I've asked you before over on Sustainable Lens, but I'm going to ask them again. What's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? I had a baby. Yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking, you've got your degree. (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll rephrase that. Are you ready? Yeah. (laughs) I completed a degree, ran a, ran a pretty successful campaign for the mayoralty for someone who wasn't elected, moved house and raised a kick-ass toddler all at the same time. That all sounds pretty good. What's the secret sauce? Oh, gosh. (laughs) I don't know. I'm running on fumes. (laughs) (laughs) So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. The team of people doing good work. So you're in our mansion. What's your superpower that's got you there? Community. The ability to ask for help and the networks that I've built around my Fano and I to support us when I'm not able to do all the work and to really be a village around us. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Yes. What are you activist for? A lot of things. Um, at the moment, I seem to be going down a wee rabbit hole of campaigning for better funding for our play centres. But previously, I've campaigned against the TPPA, I've campaigned for better mental health care, um, and I've campaigned on environmentalist platforms such as anti-oil and gas. There was an occasion where my colleague reported that he was trying to have a Zoom meeting with you for your your one-on-one mentoring um, and you were standing in a picket line at a, a, a minerals forum or something in Wellington. Yeah, so that was actually, that was a class that wasn't even one-on-one. <laughs> so um, there was a big crowd of people in that class that day. And they all got to go on a protest. Yeah, while I was, you know, drumming on um, wheelie bins. <laughs> Actually, that's the day I found out I was pregnant. Well, there you go then. Yeah. An important day. I started feeling a bit queasy just as I was about to get on the picket line, and I thought, actually, maybe not. (laughs) So I stepped back and did supporting roles instead. So what motivates you? I want to make the world a better place, not only for my daughter, but for people who are growing up like I did, um, particularly our transgender young people who, you know, need to be able to see positive role models who can give them names for how they're feeling. Is there a short version of advice that you can give us to help young people like you were? Sorry, thinking. Scripting. <laughs> um, oh, gosh, I'm blinking. 
What would have helped there are the so most? Many... What I needed when I was in high school was education around the different ways that people could be. I didn't know that transgender people existed until I was an adult or nearly an adult. So just knowing that how I was feeling and what I thought I might be was actually, you know, normal and something that other people experienced too would have greatly reduced my teenage angst. So what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or so? So over the next year or so, I'm not going to be working. I'm going to be focusing full-time on raising my kick-ass toddler. So that's going to be a huge challenge, making sure that I, you know, have these these first thousand days or so uh, full of learning experiences and that she has the best start to life that I can possibly give her. And staying connected to communities and things yourself well that's part of making sure that a child is able to thrive it's making sure that you're looking after their social needs as well and my daughter's got extremely high social needs she's not really happy unless she's seeing other people which is good for me too and lastly do you have any advice for our listeners keep staying safe keep following the rules because the rules are there for a reason and make sure that you reach out to other people within your community especially the people that you haven't heard from in a while or the people who are essential workers thank you very much for joining me no problem. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. We're going to have to change that ending as it's not, they're not in their bubbles anymore, are they? It's, what would we call it? Safe spaces. They're still in their safe spaces, but not in their own bubbles. Have to work on Some that. Some people around the world are in their own bubbles, so. Oh, absolutely. Pretty much everyone. Pretty much everyone except us. People who are in their own bubbles and emerging from their bubbles. Emerging from their bubbles. Yes, that's a good line. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on all the potty sorts of places as well. We've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie and Liesl Mitchell. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Scout Barbara Evans in Mornington, Dunedin. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.